think Labor Day is kind of interesting because it's like school just started and you already get a day off, uh, which is fun. But my name is John Griffith, and I work with our campus ministry called The Greatness here. And I'm really excited about our time this morning. Last week, Jonathan brought a really great uh, word about the dangers of getting our eyes locked in on too small of a thing. Uh, the idea was to get a bigger understanding of who God is and what God wants to do. Because it's so much bigger than the little things that we get our eyes locked in on, like, man, I just want to go to church and have a good life and things like that. And so he encouraged us uh, to uh, get a bigger God, get a bigger vision, and get a bigger life. And getting a bigger life is really going to be our launch point for this morning's message. How do we get a bigger life? How do we get a bigger life? I mean, all of us are asking that question, how do we get a bigger life? Usually it sounds a little different. It usually sounds something like this. What does God want me to do? What is God's will for my life? What does God want me to do? Pay attention to the words what and do, because we're going to come back to that. What does God want me to do? And that's the question we're asking when we say, hey, how do I get a bigger life? Right? Because when we think about getting a bigger life, we think about doing bigger things. Right? We think about doing incredible exploits and making crazy, awesome decisions and we think about your life, there's a few pretty big decisions that you have to make, you know? And maybe you're here today and you are about to face some big decisions. You know, maybe you're dating someone and it's going really well, but maybe there's a few things you wish were different. Should you marry them or not? You know, it's like, man, what does God want me to do in this situation? Maybe you're about to graduate and you're trying to figure out, man, what does God want me to do with my career? Should I move? Should I take this job in this other place? You know, we all face these huge decisions. Should I buy a new car or try and keep my old one alive for six more months? You know, it's like, man. In short, it's what does God want me to do? What and do? And I heard a guy, uh, Craig Rochelle, the pastor of Life Church, uh, say one time that the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. And when you think about the person that you are today, the person you are today is a result of all the decisions that you've made. Yesterday, the day before that, the day before that. Where you're at right now is a result of the decisions that you made today. And our decisions shape who we are. But let's be honest, most of us are not great decision makers, right? <laughs> I mean, when, when we're faced with pressure, time constraints, emotions. I mean, how many of you guys have ever made a permanent decision based on temporary emotions? Yeah, <laughs> like, hey, watch this! You know, or if you're like more of a redneck, like hold my beer, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like any, uh, any married couples just like yell at their kids on the way here this morning, like, shut up kids, we're going to worship Jesus and you're going to luck it, you know, like to the glory of God, you know, like we do dumb things when we make bad decisions that we end up regretting, you know, and uh, has anyone gone grocery shopping when you're hungry? Yeah, it's like, it's like you're the Hulk, you know, the Hulk kind of blacks out and he wakes up later. It's like, you wake up the next day, like, why do I have 10 pounds of black beans? Like, when was that a good idea? Like, why would I have ever done that? And it's so easy to make decisions that we regret. And so just to drive this point a little even deeper, I have five very regrettable decisions up on the screen, excuse me, that people have made that are terrible decisions. The first is a picture of the Beatles. There is a record label called Decca Records that the Beatles auditioned for and they turned them down because guitar groups were out. Talk about a bad decision that lost you billions of dollars. All right? 
Next one. There are 12 publishing companies. Say whatever you think about this, this book. There are 12 publishing companies that turned down Harry Potter. I mean, that's billions of dollars, like, in a bad decision, right? How about, just in general, uh, getting your girlfriend's name tattooed on your arm? <laughs> just bad decisions. <laughs> Especially when you've, you've done it multiple times. Uh, how about this inevitable trip to the emergency room? <laughs> like, who thought that was a great idea? And lastly, this is my favorite one, this attempt to get close to nature. <laughs> about, about to get eaten. And so, <laughs> so, before we make some monumentally bad decisions, you know, we leave this place, we go, you know, get a zebra costume and go into nature. I just want to clear the air a little bit. And I'm just going to tell you what God's will is for your life. That's right. My name is John Griffith, and on the record, I'm about to tell you, many of whom I've never met, what God's will is for your life. What does God want you to do this morning with the rest of your life? I'm going to tell you, all right? So here's what God wants you to do. First Thessalonians 4.3 says, God's will is for you to be an accountant. I'm just kidding. It says, God's will is for you to be holy. God's will is for you to be holy. And... I mean, where's the list of activities to accomplish? Where's the list of things, of great deeds? Like, hey, what, where's the part that says God's will is for you to pray harder? God's will is for you to stop missing church as often. Right? Where, where's that list? Like, God's will is for you to wear your WWJD bracelet more often. Like, where, where's that list? No, it's, it's, it's interesting that the focus is, is more on being a certain kind of person than it is on doing certain kinds of things. Isn't that interesting that it's on being a certain kind of person more than it is doing certain kinds of things? Now, what does it mean to be holy? The, the definition of holy means to be set apart by God for a special purpose. To be holy is to be taken out of the mundane, if you will, the, the day-to-day lives, the, the way we grow up, the values the world tells us to value, the way we make decisions, is to be taken out of that and set on a new trajectory with the life of God placed inside of us to value the things that God values, to live a life the way that if God were living your life in your shoes, in your job, in your school, the way that God would live your life. That's what it means to be holy, is to be set apart for a special purpose. Uh, In another way, you could say it means just to be formed into the image of Jesus. So I want to give us uh, two things that God values that I think will help us make the right kinds of decisions in order to get a bigger life. All right, So two things that God is concerned with to help us get a bigger life. The first one is God is concerned with who before do. Remember we talked about earlier, what does God want me to do? Well, God's more concerned with who you are before the things that you do. Who are you going to become? What kind of person are you going to be? And, you know, the do is important, like we said earlier, the decisions that you make today determine the stories that you tell tomorrow. But even Jesus understood that the who had to be in place before the do meant anything. I mean, you think about Jesus, the Savior of the world, dies on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins so that we could have eternal life and enter this incredible life in the kingdom of God. But He's only qualified because of who He was. Right? So think about if Jesus had done the exact same things if he 
you know, did tons of miracles, preached incredible messages to thousands of people, uh, healed hundreds of people. If he dies on the cross and, and is raised to life again, he does all the same things, but he's not sinless. It, it's still inspiring. It's still an encouraging story, but it's powerless. It's powerless to take away our sin and give us life today. But it's because of who Jesus was that what he did meant anything at all. Does that make sense? So Jesus actually, he describes this for us uh, in a way that uh, he warns some religious people in the area, and I think that's a a similar warning to us, um, the the Pharisees and teachers of law. In Matthew 5, Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites. I mean, I imagine, you know, there's an exclamation point. I imagine he wasn't just talking calmly when he said this. You know, it's like... Beware, teachers of the law. You know, he's probably pretty heated, you know? Like, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs. You're like tombs painted white on the outside. Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. That's the danger. If the who is not in place before what you do, you may do incredible things, you may look great, but it's meaningless if the who is not in place before the do. And so I have a, a little sub-point. If you guys are taking notes or writing on your bulletin, a uh, little sub-point under that. If you become the right who, then you will choose the right do. That if you become the right kind of person, then the right kinds of decisions are going to flow out of that. And so I, for me personally, uh, I believe that God's will for my life right now is to be a campus minister with Call to Greatness. And uh, it's awesome. I love it. But campus ministry is what I do. It's not who I am. You know, I can, I can be holy. I can be set apart for a special purpose by God somewhere else. Campus ministry is what I do. And, and you think about it, I could be a campus minister and be outside of the will of God. Like I could still be doing the right things, but if my heart's not right with God, if my character's just like weakening, you know, just like going down the toilet, like if I preach the most powerful message you've ever heard like you know all you guys are weeping right after this but then I'm like abusing my wife after this that's like that's outside the will of God that's not like man like who am I um you guys are probably laughing because she could probably beat me up like she's (laughs) she's 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 more ripped than I'll ever be uh you know but if I if you know if we lead an incredible worship set but, but afterward, I'm, I'm starting rumors, I'm sowing disunity, and I'm starting fights. Like, man, I'm outside of the will of God. Like, what, what, what I do, do doesn't matter. Like, if my heart isn't, isn't there. Maybe other people will be impacted, but for me, God's not impressed by that, you know? But, if you become a person who values the things that God values, a person of character, integrity, honesty, choosing to, to love the things that God loves then the right kinds of decisions will flow out of who you are. Because if you become the right who, then you will choose the right do. So how does this apply to us today, this morning, Labor Day weekend? Maybe you're asking, should I change my major? Should I take this job? Should I sell my car? Should I get out of the military? Uh, It doesn't matter what you do if the, the who is not in place first. Are you faithfully following Jesus right now, where you are? Are you valuing the things that God values right now? Are you being faithful 
to, to be the person that God wants you to be, that He's designed you to be. Because if you're doing those things, then the right decisions will flow out of that. But if you're not, then hey, yeah, move to Colorado, sell your car, get a different job. It doesn't matter. Because, what you, because who you are isn't in place. So, I, I found it's helpful, instead of asking, what does God want me to do? Who does God want me to become? Instead of asking, who, what does God want me to do? Who does God want me to become? So, God is concerned with who before do. And my second value that I think God wants us to wrap our heads around is, God is concerned with why before what. Motives matter. God is concerned with why before what. Motives matter to God. Proverbs 16.2 says that people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. In other words, as human beings, all of us as a, as a group of people have the unbelievable ability to deceive ourselves into thinking that what we're doing is great. Like, we are so good at like, yeah, this is totally, I'm totally serving other people and doing this out of just a great love for humanity, you know, and really it's just all about me, you know. And, and again, if I preach, you know, incredible message, but my heart, I'm only here to impress you with all my wisdom and knowledge and, you know, somehow gain your approval, maybe, again, maybe you'll be blessed by that, but God's not impressed. You know, maybe you guys would be encouraged, but God's not impressed with, with me doing that. You know, so uh, when I was in college, I, uh, many of you guys maybe heard versions of the story, but I uh, uh, was into music. You know, I played drums here this morning, and if, if this is your first time, I don't often do that. Um, but when I was in college, I played all the time. Uh, I was in a band. Uh, I played at my church and my campus ministry and stuff, and drums was like my life. And I knew that God's destiny for my life was to be a famous rock star. That's right. Why are you guys laughing? <laughs> I knew. I knew God's destiny for my life is to be famous, to be a rock star, and everyone's going to love me, and the, the girls are just going to flock to me. And, you know, it's just, I just, I love the Lord, all to the glory of God, you know. And, and it's not, I don't have to explain it to you. It's obvious. My motives were not in the right place, right? My, my heart wasn't, the why was not in place. It was all about me. And I like kind of had this version that, that I would tell people, like, oh yeah, I think you know, God's put these passions in my life, God's put these desires in my heart, and so it must be God's will, but really it was just all about me. Like I needed people's affirmation, I needed people's approval, I felt like I needed to be needed, you know, and so if I could be a rock star, if I could be famous, then all the attention would be on me, and it would fill this void inside of me. But the why, the why wasn't in place. So maybe God caused people to do that. God calls people to do those things. And, you know, let's say theoretically that God had called me to do that. It doesn't matter. The why wasn't there. The heart wasn't, who, the who wasn't there and the why wasn't there. So the do wouldn't have mattered as much. Does that make sense? So why before what? In, in the Bible, Paul says it like this. 1 Corinthians 13, 3. If I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others... I'd be nothing. If I, you know, led a thousand people to Christ and, and I healed the sick and I raised the dead, if I went to that cemetery over on Sunset and raised all those people back to life, you know, like a thousand people or however many people are in there, and they all came back to life, but I didn't do it because I loved people. I was like, man, I need to be needed. I need to be valued. 
I'm sure they would appreciate that, but for me, it, I'm missing out. I am missing out on what God wants to do in my life. It's, I missed it. And so, what are your motives? Why are you here? Are you here to check off the religious box? Um, are you, why are you in the career that you're in? Or why are you in the major that you're in? Are you there to, I'm going to make a lot of money to prove to my parents that I'm worth something, or to prove to myself, or prove to all my haters? You know, which I, I heard this, uh, this comedian talk about, you know, those post-game interviews with athletes, and there's like, the eight foot seven guy who's like, I just dedicate this win to all the haters who didn't think I can make it. And the guy's like, so not one single person went out on a limb and said, you're eight foot seven, you could play professional basketball. Like, not one single person told you that you could make that. Like, who are all these haters, you know? And, uh, but why are we doing the things that we're doing? And I, I have a, a, a friend who's a pastor uh, at, at another church, and he was telling us time where um, often students will come to our church, uh, which is awesome, but sometimes they'll, they'll bring their parents, and, and, and they brought, this girl brought her parents, and, and I guess had told them that this is my church, I go here all the time, and the, you know, everyone at the church is like, we've never seen this person in our lives, like, who is this person? And, and the parents came up to my friend, and like, hey, we just want to thank you so much for the way you've pastored our daughter, and, and he's like, I've, in his head, he's, I've never seen this girl in my life. Like, I don't know who this is. And, and the daughter is like pleading, don't say anything, don't say anything. <laughs> and so he's just like, I can't even say thank you, cause I, or you're welcome, because it's like not true, you know? But he's like, okay, yeah, good to see you, you know? And <laughs> just moves on. And so what, the why has to be in place. And one of the, one of the most common wrong motives that, that we have and, and I have in my day life is fear. Fear is one of the most common wrong motives. And this affects us all in so many different ways. It may cause you to cower. It may cause you to overcompensate and dominate. You know, But fear, we can be afraid, I'll be stuck here forever and I'm going to amount to nothing, so I need to break out of the box and, and move to, to China and just do something with my life. But it's, all, it's out of fear. I, I'm afraid that I won't be enough or that uh, I won't be enough for someone. You know, And so I need to like and impress people with the way that I look and dress up a certain way, you know, and I'm afraid that I won't be accepted for who I am. So I gotta pretend to be someone else. I'm afraid of change or risking and failing. So I'm just gonna play it safe. And like, hey, I look perfect. Don't look over here. Maybe I'm afraid people won't like me. And so I'm doing all these things, trying to change my personality. Like, man, maybe people like me now. And I think that's one of the most common things that we do is we do things for the approval of people rather than the approval of God. And, and Paul, again, says this in Galatians 1.10, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If, if pleasing people were my goal, if that was my why, then I, I couldn't even be a servant of Christ. The, the two things are incompatible. If I'm serving people, then by definition I can't serve Christ. And so the why had to be in place. And so we're just going to jump uh, a book or two later Paul, again, tells us what our motives should be. And he says, whatever you do or say, this should be your why right here. Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Whatever you do. So if you're asking, hey, should I change my major? Should I buy the car? Should I marry the girl? Should I move here? Say, hey, it doesn't matter if you're not doing it as a representative 
of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to Him in everything that you do. So if your motives aren't to become more like Christ, to, to serve others, to value the things that God values, if they're not that, then your motives are off. And my motives are off when I live in such a way that maybe I'm doing the right things. Maybe, I mean, you guys don't even know. Maybe my motives were off as I'm up here leading worship. Maybe my motives are off right now. You guys don't know that. You know, like, the, it looks different to other people. and We can't judge other people's motives. But God, between me and God, I can know, man, what I do does not matter if my motives are off, if the who and the why are not in place beforehand. So if your motives aren't to become more like Christ, they're not to serve and love other people, value things that God values, then your motives are off. So I, I want to wrap it up and, uh, and just give us a few next steps. Just to, to run through this one more time, God is more concerned with who before do and why before what. If you're in a place where you need to make a big life decision, God, what do you want me to do? Maybe instead ask, who does God want me to become? Because if you choose the right who, if you become the right who, then you're going to choose the right things to do. And following God isn't just a series of, of a few really huge decisions that you make, you know, four big decisions in your life. It's a million daily decisions to die to yourself and to follow Christ in everything that we do. So let me give us a few next steps for us. One, uh, this is a really deep question, but I just want you to chew on this for a second. You don't need to like write down in three words, who does God want you to become? But just chew on this for a second. Who does God want you to be? And if you're not following Christ today, this morning, man, there is an opportunity for you to become something great. God wants to do an incredible work in your life. He, we believe that God has an incredible design and purpose for you. He wants to bring you out, like we talked about, to be set apart, to be holy, to be brought out and placed on this trajectory to be used by God. And if you are, maybe you've been in the game for a while, but what's the next step for you? Man, who does God want me to come? What's the next thing that's in me that God wants to bring new life to? And that leads us to the second question. What is one step that you can take in becoming who God wants you to be? Just one, what's one step? I'm kind of like my bait and switch earlier. I'm telling you what God's will is for your life. God's will is for you to be holy. I'm not going to tell you what that next step is for you, but I think each of you know that. You know what that next step is for you. And the third one, this maybe seems random, but are you in the discipleship process? I promise this is not random because one of the, the most powerful ways that God uses to help us become the person that, that God has made us to be is through the help of other people. We can't live this life alone. We can't do it alone. We need other people to encourage us, to help us see our blind spots, you know, and to, to help us see what God's doing in our life as well. We can't do it alone. So are you in the discipleship process? If you're not, man, I encourage you. Uh, check out Kingdom Living Groups, uh, development groups that, that we're going to be kicking off, and um, get to know some people. You can write that on the bottom of your bulletin and put that connection card in the box. We'd love to connect with you about how to help any way that we can. So let me pray for us and wrap us up. And I trust that God is going to help each of us become a bigger person, become who He's made us to be. God, thank You for the opportunity to be here this morning. 
God, such an honor to, to be called out, that you have called us uh, to be holy, that you have called us out of darkness and into the light, called us out of um, our, our worldview and the things that, that we grew up valuing and the way that we grew up making decisions. You called us out of that to place us on a new trajectory, a new trajectory of hope and of joy and of life. And, and God, thank you that, that you call us, you give us the opportunity uh, to become bigger people, to live a bigger life, to, to leave a bigger impact. And God, I pray that you'd speak to each one of us, even as we leave here, uh, to make the right choices, to become the person who you've made us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.